Welcome to the Alliance Live podcast, spotlighting emerging issues, examples of good practice and innovation taking place within health and social care in Scotland. So hello, my name is Roseanne Logan and I'm the Programme Manager for the Links Worker Programme based within Health and Social Care Alliance Scotland. This podcast is going to cover what is the Links approach. So there'll be some context around the creation of the programme and then you'll hear from four of the community Links practitioners on carrying out their role. First, what we're going to do is we're going to get some context on what is the Links approach. And we'll hear from Chris Gourley, our Learning and Evaluation Advisor. Thanks, Roseanne. So, yeah, the Links approach then is a, it's, it's a concept. Um, it's a, an approach that's set out um, to try and implement uh, and, and nurture um, a way of working that is equips primary care, helps primary care develop, uh, I suppose, um, their capacity to better support people living in complex disadvantage. Um, and it's a yeah, whole practice approach. It's, uh, it's intended to build the capacity of all general practice team members. Um, there's seven capacities that are that are that comprise the links approach. Uh, and these have been identified by Dr. Peter Costin, who's a GP at uh, Gerskaden Burn Gen. Uh, Garden Burn Medical Practice is in Drumchapel. Uh, he originally set out seven primary care team capacities and the idea is that these areas are areas that the, every staff member can develop uh, and the whole team can develop to uh, build their capacities and build their strengths at better working with the sheer complexity that comes with supporting people uh, who are negatively affected by social determinants of health. Um, the, the seven capacities are uh, team well-being, shared learning, awareness, intelligence, signposting, problem solving, and network building. Um, so each of these have various uh, components then within them um, that have been identified, and we have uh, teased them out through the development of the program and undertook various activities, or uh, you know, led often by the community links practitioners to support. Uh, general practices, uh, the staff teams to develop under each of these. Um, we created, we've created a few documents that capture this learning. Um, and one here is called Defining the Links Approach. Um, so it sets out what exactly is comprised by each of the seven capacities, the team wellbeing, shared learning, awareness, intelligence, signposting, and problem solving and network building. So. Um, there'll be links to these and the, the information that accompanies this podcast, which you can you can find out more about. Um, each of these capacities are with designed with the idea of yeah, better equipping the, the practice teams to then build their own strengths and capacity in that sense, to then have more capacity as a team to be able to better support people as say living in complex disadvantage and the many challenges that that brings. Um, the idea is that then the people that we work with, the patients as they would gen usually be called, or the individuals um, that we work with, that the CLPs work with, and the wider practice patient-less populations will be better supported then to achieve better self-management and be able to live well. Uh, and that's really kind of geared around the theory of self-determination and its own components, which are health competence, dignity and autonomy, and relatedness. Um, Self-determination is quite closely related to self-efficacy, which is another uh, 
outcome measure that can be applied to actually measure the success of these and uh, the outcomes for individuals. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really aimed at being able to measure and understand the effect that we're having on supporting people that need uh, certain support and often very varied support, such as the community links practitioners provide and the wider staff team provide. Uh, the community links practitioners have helped develop this over the years in practice. Uh, the first uh, initial programme, the early programme, was supported by quite a, a reasonable um, practice development fund, which community links practitioners could work with their practice colleagues to, to spend on activities uh, and training and different things that each practice identified was would fit with their needs to develop these capacities in order to uh, then improve them and, and strengthen their, their overall um, ability, I suppose. Uh, that's uh, something then that was part of the Community Links Practitioner's jobs, uh, and it still is. It's supported now in the wider rollout of the practice by a, a more modest, uh, at the wider scale of the, of the programme, a more, a more modest grant, but Community Links Practitioner's will lead practice staff and practice staff themselves, lead GPs, practice managers who we engage with and hold shared learning sessions with, will themselves take initiative in trying to implement, you know, initiatives, activities within practice to, to try and uh, to try and support this kind of development. Um, so it's, it's really uh, also, I guess, nurturing a culture, uh, trying to foster a culture that uh, allows people, that allows professionals to bring more of their own true selves through and their roles uh, to reduce professional avoidance, which can be a, you know, often be a bit of an issue uh, that can arise potentially in some medical scenarios uh, and really achieve that relatedness and that uh, caregiver individual relationship, which is really fundamental to if we're going to adequately support people that have, have got the greatest need at all. Um, yeah, so the community links practitioners, they, they can't do it all themselves. Um, it's about supporting the whole practice team, um, working together to try and uh, combat, you know, the complexities that, that come with social determinants of health and socioeconomic inequality and all the health and social outcomes uh, and challenges around that. Um, so we've got, uh, as well as the defining the links approach document that uh, I mentioned, we've got another one of the record of learnings is uh, called implementing the links approach, and that captures uh, a lot of the, the specific activities that the, the first few years of the programme uh, saw being led by community links practitioners and practice teams. Um, so the links to these two will be in the in the in the blurb as I say, um, accompanying this and. I just as, as a little anecdote, I remember when I was, this was the Implementing Links Approach was the final one of these six documents that we uh, produced at the time. And I remember, I think we must have been trying to, you know, in deadline or something. I think I was actually off work, but I was down at a, a friend's farm. Uh, it was on a Thursday, Thursday evening, helping them with a festival that he runs, just as I was giving this a final proofread. Uh, and so the, the, yeah, I remember the, the Wi-Fi, the phone signal on the farm was uh, there were certain spots that were better than others. So I, I remember I ended up giving this document a final proofread when I was standing at the bar in a tent uh, while a, a Zen yoga workshop was going on. So people are all lying on the floor and, uh, you know, proving wrong music is playing. And um, I'm just I'm sitting with a laptop just uh, finalising this before sending it off to print. I just I found that was really, it struck me that it was really appropriate. Uh, it was uh, quite a nice setting actually. And some of the material when you read this document, the, some of the examples that are contained in it include, you know, supporting practice teams to, to do yoga, to look after their own well-being and, and health and team building at lunch times and stuff. So yeah, that, that, that was quite apt. Um, 
but that's a quick summary really of the links approach and i think some of the some of the CLPs are going to go on and speak a bit more specifically about some of the stuff that they've led in practices uh, to try and develop this and see the overall capacity of the links approach. Okay, thanks for that, Chris. Um, as Chris said, we're now going to hear from some of the links practitioners who are based in different TV practices across Glasgow. So first, we've got Neil Girvin, who's going to give us an overview of the one-to-one -one work. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Neil Girvin, uh, one of the senior community links practitioners based in Govan Hill in the south side of Glasgow. Um, so while speaking about the one-to-one -one work community links workers do, I guess it's important to understand that while we have terms such as signposting and social prescribing, links work is actually much more in depth and refers to the process of working together with an individual with a person-centered approach, providing as much support as is necessary to help them identify the issues which they would like to address with the aim of achieving desired outcomes and overcoming barriers, all the while enabling the individual to take greater control over their health and well-being. So in practice, um, community links workers are based within the GP practices and receive referrals primarily from GPs, nurses, healthcare assistants, um, health visitors, admin reception staff, with some also coming from local organisations and statutory services. So I guess it's important to say that at the first meeting with someone, it's really important for the individual to get an understanding of what your role is and how you can support them. So it's about connecting with that individual on a human level, displaying natural empathy, warmth and an openness from the outset. You have to be able to relate to the individuals in front of you, whoever that may be. And that comes down to a very human approach and listening to the person in front of you really listening to them, even if at first they have little to say. So I guess as a CLP, you're honest and set clear expectations that the links worker will not be able to do everything on their behalf. And this wouldn't really be helpful for the individual either. So while high levels of empathy are required, it's important to emphasize managing expectations and helping people realize what they themselves are capable of given the right levels of support. So I guess this is the counterbalance at the crux of what a links worker must strive to, to try and achieve with, with every appointment they have with individuals. So the appointments between the CLP and individuals are primarily face-to-face, -face, though we do have telephone appointments available and links through email where that's appropriate for, for individuals. So we make it as accessible as possible for people. Now, they would generally take place within the GP practice uh, and community venues where the individual felt comfortable or in individuals' houses where, where the individual's housebound or where, where that would be appropriate. In these initial interactions, a links worker will generally identify the issues affecting the individual's health and well-being, which might become more apparent over time identify networks of family and friends and, and support networks that are already in place or lacking for that person. Now we would normally ask about the person's mental and physical health and gain an understanding of their capacity for self-care and management of any conditions. We'd also look to identify any groups or services they may currently or previously attended. 
and essentially create a space in which individuals feel comfortable in sharing details of any aspect of their lives that impact their health and well-being. So from here, we as a CLP really start to get a rounded picture of where that individual is at to try and take a holistic approach to understand various aspects of their life and identify what changes they'd like to make and how they can begin to take steps towards this. So I often find that a relationship and trust is established naturally uh, from being yourself, from being clear from the outset about the support you can offer and where the limitations lie within the service. And this all helps to establish strong boundaries. So in the CLP role, it's important to have an ability to, to care about the person, offering acceptance um, and compassion in a non-judgmental, dignified and respectful way. Um, it requires you to have a sound knowledge base of how to navigate various systems uh, that people encounter, including housing, benefits and immigration, to name but a few. So you are essentially the directory for the GP practice and the practice population, providing a bridge from the GP practice to the local community. The one-to-one -one work involves essentially working alongside people in an open and collaborative manner, establishing a level of trust that is conducive to each individu individual, bringing whatever they need to each session. And it's then individuals can feel understood and identify what's important to them in terms of the critical issues affecting their health, as well as using the space to talk about just what's going on in their life. Often this can involve unpicking highly complex circumstances and social determinants of health, which can have a deep emotional and psychological and physical impact, as we all know. So it then becomes more likely that people will become empowered to engage with relevant information and support so each person can identify and access opportunities that, that will be beneficial to taking more control for themselves to improve their well-being. And I guess when I was uh, looking over some of the information and feedback that other CLPs have, have provided over the years, some of the key things uh, to remember stood out to me. And they were that generally folk have many more issues than originally realized much more than, than in, the, in the initial referral. And we have to be aware of that. And although there can be a lot of despair and trauma, experiences of abuse, people's resilience can be really inspiring. We all know that early childhood experience is certainly crucial to how you navigate life as an adult. And while we have these, you know, these challenges and difficult times, there can also be laughter you know, and, and, and humor and a very human element of, of the work that we do. So a lot of CLPs have reminded me that they've shared loads of laughs, do you know what I mean, with the people that they've supported. And I think that's a, you know, an important thing to mention. And one thing that people often don't raise you know, at first is, is their financial situation, which we know can have a massive impact on someone's health and wellbeing. Nobody's interested in a walk-in group if they don't have money for food. Um, so poverty is a huge thing in the areas that, that, that we work and when people are affected by it hope and opportunity can be diminished and it can be a crushing thing that keeps people in a particular space and there can be an acceptance of that you know people feel that they can't make that change so simply put the community links worker one-to-one -one work 
is about helping people to see the small things that they can change. And often it's about starting there. We're now going to um, chat with one of our team that just came into post um, in November, last year, November 2020. Um, and she's got the experience then of being interviewed and recruited in the midst of a pandemic and having to adapt. Um, and so we're going to hear about her experiences of working during the lockdown. We're going to hear from Henderson. Thanks, Rosanne, and thanks for having me on. Um, so yeah, as Rosanne said, I'm Ruth Henderson and I'm a new Community Link practitioner based in Drumchapel in northwest Glasgow. Uh, so I'm going to chat a little bit more about the one-to-one -one work that we've been doing with, uh, with our referrals and the skills needed to make connections during, during this pandemic. So when I first joined this team, I think a lot of the Community Link practitioners made us all very aware that um, it's definitely changed the way that we work now as Community Link practitioners. So we're now unable to meet individuals face-to-face -face in the practice like we would normally do or at their home, whatever suits that individual. So now having to completely change the way we work and adapt to what's happened in the pandemic. So a lot of the work I've been doing has been done through telephone or text message, whatever works for that person. So in some ways I've been very aware that eh, I've not had that full experience yet of doing the community link practitioner role in practice face-to-face -face and in the face-to-face -face appointments. However, this is the reality and the role has changed and this is how we need to do it now. So trying to build that connection with someone without being face-to-face -face is a skill that we've all had to learn and just try and build on and make sure that we can really build that connection with someone. Starting off that relationship with a new referral, for me, it's been about trying to build trust and to really have that friendly rapport as well, being friendly and patient with someone. And for me, also trying to build that trust around the GP practice, because there's no doubt that a lot of people already really trust their GPs and their doctors, but also setting those boundaries straight away as well. So the conversation is all about them, their health and their well-being, and giving them time to open up about what's going on in their lives and where they need support. Another skill we've had to really look at is making sure that we're actively listening to people as well, reflecting back to them what they're saying to us, summarising their feelings so, they, so that they know that you've been listening and that you show some sort of understanding that they have a lot of things going on just now. One person the other day said to me that you're the first person who's actually wanted to listen to me. And that was really nice to hear as a new community link practitioner as well, that all they really need is someone to listen and that you're there to actively listening and that you're not brushing over what, you're, what they're saying. You're reflecting back to them how they're feeling and they feel like someone is actually listening and wants to, wants to help and wants to care. So there's no doubt joining during this pandemic, there's been challenges with that. So trying to encourage referrals within the practice has been a little bit difficult for myself, especially that since... A lot of the work we're doing now is based at home and we're not based in practice as much. I've been able to go in probably about once a week just now during this time. But when I'm not in practice, it is difficult for the doctors and for the nurses and for whoever's in practice to try and make sure that they still think of the community links role for getting referrals. So just trying to give them friendly reminders that I am still here to help and that we're there for them. But also looking at um, telephone appointments, those can be really tricky for some people, especially around if they want to have private conversations with you. If they've got others in the house, they might not want them to overhear what they're trying to say to you. So that can be sometimes quite challenging. But um, from my understanding as well, I think that non-verbal communication is key. So not being able to get that through a telephone consultation or appointment can be tricky. So it's just trying to make sure that you emphasize that you're listening to them. And also it's another thing I've appreciated that a lot of people have said to me that who I've been working with, 
this time is really overwhelming for lots of people, but a lot of people are having to use these, you know, telephone appointments now a lot more regularly. So they're getting a lot of phone calls every day and it's very overwhelming for some people. So trying to appreciate that it feels really quite heavy on some people, but when they come into practice, it's a different setting. It's away from their house. Whereas when they're getting a lot of phone calls every day about loads of different things, their housing, their benefits, their, I don't know, anything it could, the food bank, anything. It's a lot of information that they're all getting through one means. And every organisation has had to adapt at this time. So appreciating that they've got that heavy load as well. And sometimes you just need to let them talk about how that's impacting them as well. But for me, it's been great to join this team and be part of this fantastic practitioners. It really makes me aware of how important this role really is and trying to build those connections with people who are really vulnerable at this time. And every day is definitely a day of learning. Thanks for that, Ruth. That's Neil and Ruth telling us about the importance of the one-to-one -one work, which is one aspect of the community-linked practitioner role. But we're going to also um, tell you a bit about the other two aspects of the role. The second aspect is around practice development. And here we're going to hear from Jerry Mitchell as he explains how he's implemented practice development within his practice. My name is Jerry Mitchell and I'm a community links practitioner at the Peak Road Medical Practice at Pollock Health Centre. So one of the important elements of um, the links practitioner role is practice development. And for me, that's all about um, developing a culture of community links within the GP practice team. Now, that's all the way from um, trainee GPs to GP partners to um, health professionals to um, admin staff, staff and reception staff. So what we want to do is we want to create a healthy culture of community links so that our GP practice is connected to the community that it serves and the resources within so that our patients get the best benefit from these resources for their health and well-being. And the three elements we kind of fo I'll focus on just now um, are staff learning, staff well-being and patient well-being. So how do we uh, achieve that culture of links? So in terms of staff learning, we do a lot of different um, kind of practice development days where we take the GP practice team out to visit local resources so that our staff then become knowledgeable about these resources. They know where they are, they've been in the building, they've spoken to the people that run the service and they've met maybe some of the participants as well. They can go away with that knowledge and when they go back to the GP practice, they can have uh, conversations, confident conversations with patients about these resources and refer them into the resource if, if um, appropriate. There's another way in which we want to try and um, inform our staff about local resources. Uh, so we've set up an initiative called Bringing the Community to You. And we've had over 200 organisations come in to our GP practice reception on a weekly basis and promote their service. Now this is both for our practice staff to come out and find out about the organisation and also for patients who might be coming in on the day for a doctor's appointment and they can uh, meet the organisation and find out more about what that organisation does within the community. The second element, um, which is um, staff wellbeing, we do try and do a lot of work to try and 
make sure our staff are happy at work and they're healthy at work and um, they get access to the support that they require as well. So these uh, initiatives that we do in terms of um, staff learning, the practice development days and then bringing the community to you um, initiative, that's also for staff to become knowledgeable about these services. And if they feel that they require those um, services or support from any of those services themselves, then they can, they can access that service. But we do um, other initiatives to try and improve uh, staff wellbeing as well. So we're currently um, running a, a pilot where we give every member of staff 20 minutes where they can have a, um, 20 minutes out of their working day and go into a room and access various different wellbeing um, sessions um, and they can solely focus on their own wellbeing for that 20 minutes. We have other things running as well. Um, for example, we've got a staff electric bike. So a lot of the GPs carry out um, GP home visits during the summer months on, on a, a bike. Um, some of our staff attend our health walks as well. Um, and some of our staff have also participated in the arts and crafts group that we have running at the health centre too. So um, that takes us on to patient well-being. We've got a variety of different um, initiatives and uh, resources that we've created um, from within the GP practice to provide um, support for our, our patients. The first one is the health walk that we run on a weekly basis. It's a really strong, healthy uh, walk. Um, we've developed partnerships with uh, a lot of different organisations. For example, Glasgow Life Good Moves and some of um, their volunteers come and support our walk. So that allows us to um, have many people from many different walking abilities come and join our health walk. And we have currently around 20 members of that walk and um, patients at our GP practice. We also have other initiatives that we've set up through developing partnerships with um, a local yoga and Tai Chi instructor. So we have a yoga class that runs on a weekly basis and we have a weekly Tai Chi session as well. And we have a therapeutic arts and crafts um, group that runs on a weekly basis too. Um, some of the things that have come out of the Bringing the commu Community to You initiative has been that we've developed um, some partnership working with a couple of organisations. So we've looked at some um, gaps in services as a team We've identified some gaps in services and we've decided to um, look to see if we can bring services or resources into our area um, by developing partnerships with um, organisations in Glasgow. So one of those um, has been with an organisation called Differabled, who provide peer support to families uh, with children uh, on the autism spectrum. So that organisation now come in to uh, the Pollock Health Centre. We facilitated a room for the organisation and they now hold weekly um, support sessions for families um, with their children. Um, another partnership that's came out of the Bringing the Community to You initiative is our partnership with Action and Hearing Loss. Um, they come out and they hold a monthly drop-in session for people with hearing aids. Um, they clean those hearing aids, they change the batteries, they give advice for people with uh, hearing loss 
and that's a really good addition to um, the services that we can provide our patients with also. We're currently developing a, a funding application with um, a local organisation called G53 Together, um, where we want to try and um, bring in a floating welfare officer that would work across the three GP practices within the health centre and also um, go and spend some time supporting the people that come on to the G53 community building too. So these are all the ways in which we try and connect our GP practice with the community that ex we exist within. We need to make sure our staff are knowledgeable about resources within that community. We need to make sure our staff are well, and we also need to make sure that we're serving uh, our patients to the best of our ability. And lastly, the third aspect of the, of the role of a community-linked practitioner um, is around the importance that connections make, especially the connections in the local community. And we're now going to hear from Deborah Hamilton. Thanks, Suzanne. Um, yeah, I'm a community links practitioner um, based in Bridgeton in the northeast of the city. Um, my name's Deborah Hamilton. Um, and I've, I've been lucky enough to work in two different communities in this role. Um, and that, that's really brought home to me the importance of asset mapping. Um, I suppose I want to talk a wee bit about what do we mean when we talk about asset mapping and, and what, what even is an asset? Neil obviously touched on the importance of having an understanding of all the range of services that exist in the communities that you're working in, from the kind of local lunch clubs and groups, right through to the kind of local social work teams and homelessness teams and things like that. Um, so we quite often, when we think about assets, we think about buildings, places, projects. Um, but for me, what's been really, really come across during this period of working in links is that sometimes the assets that we we most should most value are, are actually local people themselves. And through one-to-one -one work, we can help support the creation of more local assets. So as an example, um, I worked with a lady over in the south side of the city when I was based there. Um, had previously been engaged in loads of different things, had worked a lot of times through mental health and a caring role, had just fallen away from everything and become really, really isolated. So, you know, spending that time getting to know her, She'd already identified herself a local arts project that she wanted to engage with, and she just didn't have the confidence to cross the threshold. I already had a good working relationship with the project through that asset mapping that I'll, I'll talk a wee bit more about. But certainly when I, I did then take this lady over the threshold of this group and she met them, she became so involved that, that she herself became a local asset. Um, she supported others in the community. Her whole life changed as a result of her connection to this group. She ended up becoming the treasurer within six months um, and went on to do public speaking events with me. And, you know, there was a real kind of equalising of the relationship from her having been in crisis at the time that we met to her then being somebody that I would be able to refer folk to. And so it's always really lovely when you see that happen. Um, and I think during COVID this last year, we've... There's been new community assets and, and individuals like that have come through, people who were furloughed who suddenly decided they had to give something back to their communities. Um, so asset mapping's perhaps changed a little bit over the last year. Some of it's happening online, some of it's happening through walking meetings. Um, I mean, Neil gave an example about being the kind of bridge 
between primary care and the local communities. And I heard an analogy from Peter Coston at the early stages of this programme that's always really stuck with me and I quite like. So he talked about your primary care, your GP practice being like the kind of castle in the community. They're usually one of the longest you know, projects that's existed there. They're relatively well funded and perhaps comparison to some of your third sector projects. Um, and up until this programme, you know, they were seen as the castle, the drawbridge was up, the dragon receptionist was kind of guarding the GPs. Um, they always get such a bad rep, don't they? Um, and our role was really about sort of bringing that drawbridge down. So being that bridge between the practice and the local communities. And, and that's it's so well received, GPs and clinicians. They don't often have time to get out there, out and about there in the community to see what's available. They've maybe heard of a few that they'll refer to on a regular basis. But for us, we're out there all the time. We have this kind of presence in the community. And, and you know, the assets that exist in our communities can change all the time through different funding streams popping up, um, you know, things like that, that, that can really impact on who's able to access the service. So for us, it's an ongoing process, figuring out me referral mechanisms, who's able to, you know, be referred as there been changes to that, new projects popping up. Um, I think it's really important when you come to an area to recognise, especially if you're new in the role, that um, there's a whole wealth of knowledge that already exists. And so it's about taking your time, getting to know these groups, um, getting to know who the key players are in the community and, and as I say they're often local people themselves is, that have set up some of the projects that, that we refer to most often um, so there, you know, there's an awful lot of respect to be to be given there and working very closely with these individuals who, who know the communities better than us. Um, some of us are fortunate enough to live in the areas that we work in and you know that's an interesting experience as well. I, I live in the East End so when I started to work here a couple of years ago you think you know an area because you live in it but once you work in it there's a whole other range of um, connections to be made um, and, and connections that we can then connect together if, if you do live locally. Um, so you know it's it's, it's an, all, an ongoing process as I say making connections with the community and trying to have that presence locally and um, during COVID, a lot of that's been happening online. We've been having guest presenters come to our team meeting every fortnight to give us an update. Um, as I said, it's been really interesting to see the number of new people who have really developed their creativity and their, their desire to engage with communities through this. So um, that's really, really heartening that, that coming out the other end of this, um, there's more people, more assets in our local areas um, working together so there's, there's a wee silver lining to be had I think um, and again that kind of asset mapping connection to the communities it, it ties in with other elements of the role you know we, we're bringing that intelligence back to the practice teams um, skilling them up and, and who else might be going on some of the kind of themes and trends that that you'll pick up through your connections with local projects won't necessarily be apparent to the primary care team so they always really benefit from us being able to come back with that knowledge um, and it can inform how they work with people perhaps even some of the questions they might ask and um, that they wouldn't have otherwise asked of their patients so it can increase referrals for us as well mm -hmm. um, you know and We've we've got with the practice development remit. We you know we also feed into creating new assets in the forms of groups and um, be that walking groups or singing groups. You know, there's a range of kind of groups that we've been able to set up through the practice team. Sometimes even based in health centres, which is 
prior to this role, you probably didn't have as often. So starting to see health centres and GP practices as hubs of community activity, as well as just being somewhere you go to see a clinician. Um, and that's, that's been really, really nice to, to be involved in that. Um, and to pe for people to, you know, access that space in a different way, it, it does support their sense of their own wellbeing and self-management and, and broadens out that idea about you know, what is a health intervention? It's, it's not just going to get your blood, it's not going to collect a prescription. It's, it's all those other activities that, that really, really keep as well. Um, yeah, so it's, for new people coming in, I do wonder what that must have been like over the last year, not being able to physically walk up to a project, because quite often that would be, you know, I would kind of hit the streets in the early days and on an ongoing basis wander about and sometimes you would you would literally fall over projects that you wouldn't know about local boxing clubs you know we shop fronts that maybe you don't you won't find them online you, you won't find them in a service directory so as, as Neil said we, we really become that service directory in ourselves by holding all that information in our heads um, and having those connections you know, being able to pick up the phone to another local project worker. If you don't know about something, there'll be somebody that does. Um, so those those relationships that you build are, are really, really important. Um, I suppose, again, you know, Neil said it too, that, that this role is so much more than signposting and, and social prescribing. Because I think if you're going to, if you've got those relationships with local community projects um, and services you might refer to, it's it's not just a referral, it's not just signposting, you know, we'll physically take somebody along to a service, um, we'll spend a lot of time mapping out how do you even get to that project, so for me it's about local, knowing the local bus routes, the train times, the bus times, um, being able to help people find a, a quick walk, safe walking route to projects, actually going with them and, and getting into the building and for somebody to see that you've received a warm welcome from that project because you, you know the person there and you've built that that kind of relationship up, it just puts them at ease and it gives them so much more confidence to then engage with that project in a kind of more meaningful way. Um, it's For me as an individual, I haven't worked in the south side of the Glasgow for, for quite a number of years and I'd, I'd previously lived there. You know, it's about finding your tribe if you like so you you know you meet a lot of amazing people working living in the area um, and I've made lifelong friends through this role because when you do make those connections in the community um, and you know that you've you know you've got that shared value base you're all kind of working to similar goals and you know you really care about the area that you're working in you know you get to know the area so well and it's you know you can feel like you're really part of it and it's such a privilege to be sort of given that that um that entry if you like you know there's an element in the beginning where you're you kind of have to negotiate that you know who is this person what are they offering particularly with a project like this that's relatively new and people might not have heard of it you know you do have to gain trust but when when you do make those connections and you know you've got that working really well lifelong friendships can be can be kind of created and it's and that's been really lovely um and then moving into a new area for me, it's 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 been fascinating because, as you think, you know, an area living in it, you, you know, you, you get this whole other side of of what it actually means for people who've been born and bred here and how they perceive it, um, what their experiences have been, and it's 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 great, you know, all the time I'm meeting people who give me history about the area and other bits of information that you just 
you wouldn't find out, you know, through normal routes and it's people's memories, people's experiences of, oh, that building that used to be down the road there and, and the kind of cultural importance some of that can have for people. So there's a real richness to those community connections that, you know, that, that benefits us as workers and in our role and being able to kind of really, you know, have that that kind of foot footing in the area. Um, so it just it just doesn't stop. It continues all the time. I'm always learning new things about the area I'm in um, and looking forward to the other end of this when some of the plans that people are hatching the now, what, what they might look like. You know, there's so many more new connections to be made. Um, so it's, it's a really privileged element of the role. And as I said, to, to bring that back to the practice team um, and finding ways of, of engaging with them, sort of really getting them over the drawbridge, if you like, that, that's an element, there's a points in our project where we've all tried to take practice staff out. Um, some practice teams have really embraced that and the whole team have gone out. I think Jerry might have mentioned some of that. Um, and for, for me, it's maybe been taking an individual GP or administrator out for a kind of a walk around the area. And again, they'll maybe have heard of some of the streets, um, you know, have come up in people's notes, they'll have heard stories, GPs might have been in and out courses. But when you're then wandering about an area and in a community, there's all these other stories attached to these locations and places which give it a different meaning. Um, so they really, really benefit from, from us bringing that back or, or, or kind of dragging them out, if you like, into the area to pound the streets. So thanks very much, Deborah. That's been really insightful and some rich narrative there um, on some of the community involvement that as community links practitioner can, can become active with. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to our podcast on the links approach and the role of the community links practitioner. This is the first in a suite of podcasts that our programme will be recording over the coming year. So if you have any questions or want to get in touch, please do. You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter.